0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Minds Over Money podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Brady. On this week's episode, I'm covering three headlines that definitely impact the economy, as well as potentially impacting your own personal investments. And I'm also covering another financial planning topic, one of our 12 great mistakes that we find investors make, and that is not selling due to having a loss or any tax implications to your investments or what I would call having a behavioral attachment to your investments. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee and enjoy. Our first headline this week is the Great American Reunion. Hugs, handshakes and tables for 10 are back. After a year and a half of isolating due to COVID lockdowns, Americans are now emerging from seclusion into the joy and comfort of others. For many, that means family, and for others, that's lunch with the gang from the office or coffee. Uh, Summer of 2021 will be known as America's Reunion Summer. As more and more people are vaccinated, they are feeling ready to start seeing family members who they probably haven't been able to see over the last 14 months due to COVID concerns. Uh, This just illustrates the importance of family, whether it's your actual family, your work family, your community family, or your faith family. As we see a rise in larger gatherings due to family reunions and other things, this is yet another sign that we are well on our way to recovery from COVID. As more and more people return to normalcy, the economy will follow. Our second headline this week is that business travel is back. So fresh signs are emerging that business travelers won't be grounded too much longer. American Airlines said 47 of the airline's 50 largest corporate accounts have said they plan to resume traveling at some point this year. Corporate trips still remain 70% or more below their pre-pandemic levels, which airlines rely heavily on as they account for a large portion of their revenues. A handful of high-profile events like the TED conference and various industry trade shows are also returning this summer. And the Las Vegas Convention Center is opening up later this month. 35% of small businesses expect to have some travel expenses in the next six months, up from 31.5% just a month ago or two months ago in April, and up from 26.5% from mid-February. While this is encouraging domestically, uh, many international business routes remain hobbled by quarantine requirements and entry restrictions. Airlines are expecting a full rebound maybe years away from that. Domestically, experts are expecting corporate travel to be about 80% of what of 2019 levels by this fall. Southwest Airlines is expecting to restore some of its short-haul business routes Uh, to match anticipated demand by Labor Day. Some companies are changing their requirements for travel after a year without it. Uh, A higher bar may need to be required for travel. Many meetings are going to be conducted in what they're calling a hybrid fashion, which would be some people traveling in person and others connecting uh, virtually through a video call or phone call. Uh, A rebound for these industries hit really hard by the pandemic uh, is encouraging to see, and that would be airlines and hotels. So as business travel returns, obviously more people will be flying and staying in hotels. Our third headline this week covers a theme that's happened over the last couple episodes, and that is, is inflation here to stay? So inflation has crept back into our lives over the last month or so, but is it here to stay or is it propped up by extenuating circumstances from lockdowns and stimulus money? The argument that inflation is temporary is pretty simple. Consumer demand is up from stimulus money and pent up demand from lockdowns due to Corona and supply can't keep up with that demand. Uh, Inventories are super low, capabilities to replenish inventories are run down, due to coronavirus uh, circumstances, and workers are unwilling to return. As extraordinary ramp-ups in narrow areas like lumber, used cars, or microchips has come to light. The resulting pr- price rises will abate once spare cash is spent and business is back to normal. Uh, this becomes a very hard theory to test because the usual gauges that are used Uh, to measure this are mucked up by the scale of the post-pandemic rebound. Basically, it's becoming harder for economists to actually measure whether inflation is here to stay or just a short-term blip due to coronavirus stimulus money and the pent-up demand from people being in lockdown for 14 months. In order for us to know if inflation is back to stay or not, there's three areas for us to watch. We're gonna look at the labor force, the consumer demand and inflation expectations uh, outlined by the Federal Reserve. So uh, labor force, workers can reduce inflation through pay raises. So not enough workers, companies uh, raise wages to entice workers to come to their company. Uh, Workers have more money to spend, so then prices go up for goods and services. And then workers, in turn, because their cost of living has gone up, demand pay raises, and on and on this cycle goes. Uh, There is evidence that this is going on. With a record number of vaccines, businesses are reporting that they are raising pay and offering special bonuses for hiring. McDonald's and Amazon have recently reported that they've increased wages amid a shortage of workers uh, this, this year. The shortage of workers is likely driven by a temporary combination of both COVID 19 fears and higher unemployment benefits, with some parents having childcare problems while schools are closed. With increased vaccine deployment, extra federal benefits expiring in September, and schools reopening, these fears should fade away. Come September, the 9.8 million unemployed and the 8.1 million job vacancies might match up and the skills shortages and wage pressure may go away. Consumers came out of lockdown flush with cash and have been spending frantically since shops, bars and leisure activities have reopened. It is unprecedented for household income to improve in a recession the way it did last year. One possibility is that households spend some of their savings, but decide to continue to save for future trouble. In that case, current demand surge would sputter out and die away. Another possibility is that consumers decide this is a rerun of the Roaring Twenties and spend down their entire savings pile. If this happens, demand could stay high for a long time, keeping up pressure on supply and wages. Add in that companies are investing to keep up with the surging demand, and conditions could be set for a boom, with inflation continuing unless productivity improved or the workforce expanded. The thing to watch here is consumer spending and savings to gauge the mood, and corporate investment as a rough and ready proxy for future productivity. Third and final area to watch are inflation expectations. The one-year consumer inflation expectation reached a high of 4.6% in May, and that's the highest since the China commodity boom of 2011. However, long-term expectations are still around 3% and unlikely to bother the Fed too much as their long-term break-even inflation rate remains close to 2%. So even though short-term inflation has crept back into our lives, it's not dramatically affecting how the Fed views their long-term inflation expectations. This week's financial planning topic is another one of our 12 great mistakes that we find investors make and that is not selling because of losses or taxes or what I would call having a behavioral attachment or an emotional attachment to your investments. Having an emotional or behavioral attachment to your investments is pretty common but this is where having a disciplined investment philosophy and strategy in place becomes extremely important. Let's say you took a risk and invested in something that just hasn't panned out for you, and now it's time to realize the loss so that you can reposition your proceeds into an investment that gives you a greater opportunity for growth. Not being able to effectively pull the trigger on that sale uh, is something a lot of people encounter. What you've effectively done is now turned that investment into an anchor that's now going to drag your entire portfolio back because you're unable to make the sale and reposition into a more diverse portfolio. As humans, we are extremely bad at being able to identify this. I'm sure deep down inside you're you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I made this. I took this risk. I bought this investment. It's going to do exactly what I thought it would do. It just needs more time. That's why having a trusted advisor on your side who's able to identify these anchors holding your portfolio back uh, is extremely valuable. Um, a lot of times we find with our clients, um, you know, a, a portion of their portfolio that they've, they've brought over to us just isn't doing what it, was, what it was meant to do. So we have the conversation with them, determine how uh, you know, a strategy to get out of what they're invested in, and into something that is designed specifically for their financial goals and what growth they need to accomplish those goals. The flip side of this mistake is not selling an investment because you know you're going to have to pay tax on it. What what typically happens is you have a large gain in a single holding. That single holding now uh, is a much larger portion of your portfolio than was intended or Uh, needs to be. It's now taking on way more risk to hold that than than you thought when you made the investment. It's time to pair that back and take the gains and redistribute throughout the rest of your portfolio. But you're going to have to realize some capital gains in order to do that. The risk you take on by not selling that position most likely outweighs the capital gains tax you will have to pay on that. Uh, it's extremely important, especially you know, when the market is at an all-time high, that you remain disciplined in your rebalancing strategy. A rebalancing strategy forces you sell when you're high, buy when you're low. You're going to redistribute money from your win, portion of the win in your portfolio, back to something that may have been straggling. So you're going to sell one position high, you're going to buy one position low, bring the portfolio back to equilibrium. And now you are, you know, in the right position to handle whatever the market is going to throw at you in the future. It's important to revisit this rebalancing strategy all the time. You know, we, we typically like to meet with our clients at six month intervals to, to gauge that. Do you know, is there a rebalancing need? Um, has one position or sector of your portfolio outweighed or or outperformed the other? And should, should we be making moves? While these mistakes are relatively easy to remedy through a disciplined rebalancing strategy in a globally diversified portfolio, they may be extremely hard for the individual investor to identify them. That's where the help of a trusted financial advisor comes in and what we ultimately do for all of our clients at Michael Brady and Company. If you're interested in receiving a complimentary investment portfolio review or have any questions about this week's episode, please feel free to reach out to me, 440-235-2100, or my email is Cameron at MichaelBradyCo.com. Thanks for listening, hope you enjoyed.